You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic. Welcome to episode 162. And today we're joined by, uh, we, we like to invite people on that we like to interact <laughs> with. So, um, but these may be or, some or other. Get, or or want to get to interact yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. But these may be some familiar voices for, for all our listeners. They, uh, I'd be surprised if they don't uh, know our guests today already. It's, in our world, is it? Is it common to invite like other podcasts on that do something similar to what what we do? I'm I'm a fan, so yeah. I don't find it. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I like I to do it. So. I like to do it. Yeah, it's, but, why not? So today we are joined, and as you can probably tell, Fran and I are really excited. Today we're joined by the hosts of the completely arbitrary podcast. So we have uh, Casey Clapp and Alex Croson. So Casey and Alex, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hello. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having us on, you guys. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming on. We're excited just to just to talk about podcasting and what we podcast about because we don't always get to talk to our peers about what they're doing and what we're doing and, and how it differs and, and what we enjoy mm-hmm. about it. So we're just kind of excited to get a, pull back the curtains a little bit to, to see behind the curtains about your podcast. So mm-hmm. – I th- I just thought, and well, Fran, okay. I know you want to get right into it, but I think that's a that's a sh- we're in New shocker. Jersey, you guys are in Oregon. Um, I think we need to do some bonding, like cross continental bonding here, and talk about um, about arborvitaes and our feelings on them. And, uh, <laughs> and you guys, it was so good. To, it was so good to be on the podcast. Thanks so much. I gotta. I gotta yeah. head out. Uh, <laughs> But no, that was uh, I, when I started listening to you guys early on. That was probably what um, what really sold me on your show was I, was it your third or fourth episode? It was it was pretty early on, I think. That was number three. And um, yeah, no, that was uh, and I've, you just revisited revisited that one too, correct? Your your last episode. Well, it won't be by the time everyone hears us, but that's right. We did a we did a redux, and we we uh, we gave it the honor it deserves as the. Northern white cedar. Yes, which also um, in the episode we yeah. consistently mm-hmm. messed up and did not stick to either the northern white cedar or the eastern white cedar. <laughs> but we've talked to a bunch of people uh, and got some feedback, and a lot of people said, "Yeah, actually, I only know it as the eastern white cedar. I, Casey Clapp, only know it as the northern white cedar or the arborvita." And so it was really nice. Uh, Alex and I were like, we really messed that one up and everyone else is like no actually you 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 did it better than normal because yeah. we call it. every time we talk about that tree it's a huge mess oh yeah yeah it's, you know and it's it's difficult for us because where we're located it's really you're pushing it, it's not really native where we're at in new jersey just north of us yeah a little bit north like if you hit northern jersey you'll start to see it like we're really on the 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 edge of where you you start to see it so but You'll see it everywhere, just not naturally. 
it's just planted all over the place. Well, what are, what are your guys' opinions on it? How how should we bond on it? You you said that it was uh, the <laughs> episode that made you guys be like, yes, these are our people. Well, I so, just your episode <laughs> title that was uh, the no good, very bad tree. <laughs> and I was I was like, yeah, no, I can I can agree with this. Um, we in our industry trade shows on the East Coast, we'll walk around and it's every single booth has uh, either like a green some cultivar of, of arborvitae. And yeah. um, green, and it's just green giant yeah. arborvitae is the most requested tree in really? yeah in in the nursery industry at least in this part of the country or the the East Coast it it's tops all the charts on on how it's requested. Really? Now yeah. I should check. Isn't the the green giant arborvitae? Isn't that Thuya plicata? It's a cross. Yeah, Thuya plicata. Oh, yeah, and I think it's like crossed with like a. Like a something non-native to the United States. I can't remember oh, what it is. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but we. I was. I, I always has always wondered. Oh, it looks like it's Thuya standishii yeah. and Thuya plicata. Yeah. So we. It's as far as advice. It's really tough because obviously you're hurt. You're hurt in more than just the area that you're located in. Locally, you know, we try to just. It, it's tough. There's there's not very many native evergreens to yeah. where we're at. It's it's just very limited. It's Atlantic white cedar or eastern red cedar, and that's really specific conditions for those. Um, you know, we try to we live in a temperate area. We just try to get people to celebrate that area. What what's what the beauty of that natural area is, which isn't the the Pacific Northwest. It's it's just a different climate, a different area, and it's, you celebrate them each for what they are. But everyone can, you know, we we promote natives, but we don't bash anyone for not planting mm-hmm. natives. Yeah, Let, and that makes sense. You know, you gotta you gotta be able to have like you know those really interesting other plants come in. I think the issue here is that arborvita as a non-native plant also does not quite make that interesting level. So you don't mm-hmm. quite you're like, <laughs> well, that's a cool tree. <laughs> but but it's fantastic for someone to be enthusiastic about something. That's other than native, and it's and that's one of the things that draws me to your podcast is your enthusiasm, whether mm-hmm. it's native or non-native, because there are some great attributes for some of these things that aren't natives. Now, if it's an invasive to your area, yeah, that's a different, that's a whole different category, and and mm-hmm. I know that varies on our part. There's things that are native here, like our Spartina alterniflora, which is the salt meadow cordgrass. It's it's native from Maine to Texas, but if you put it in California, it's invasive. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, we try to always kind of preach right plate, right plant, right place, and take it with a grain of salt. Let everyone take their journey at their pace. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that. That is actually going to be the topic of our very next show. I think is when by the time this comes out, it will have come out last week, mm. and that will be the topic exactly because we're going to discuss um, a tree that over here is a great tree that is has a very specific place that you can plant it. It's native to China and Southeast Asia. It's the Coluteria paniculata, oh. the golden rain tree. And But if you go down to Florida, they're like, oh, my God, don't get this tree near me. It's the worst invasive tree in the planet. Mm-hmm. So it's always, uh, you know, it, the, the right tree, right place, or the right plant, right place kind of thing. It's always so curious that it changes depending on the place that you are on a on a macro level, right? We we've heard that. Uh, I remember when we had Marcus Gray when he was with uh, Audubon International talking about common milkweed, and everyone knows milkweed and monarchs at this point. But he's like, you can't, you know, really plant 
Asclepias syriaca in Georgia because it just is so aggressive and so takes mm-hmm. – so it's it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the right plant for that place. But milkweed's important, so you just kind of still have to take it with a grain of salt just what what is that right plant for that area. It's not one plant solves all, unfortunately. Definitely. If, if it were, it would be pretty boring. It would be all barbarian yeah, burning bush. Arborvita everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to take some photos for you. Just we'll we'll take oh, a stroll yeah. around the block and just, take a picture of all the arborvitae hedge that uh, <laughs> everyone has instead of fencing. But uh, so I th- thought it would be interesting to just go back to the beginning and just talk about how your podcast came to fruition. What was what was what brought the two of you together and and brought this podcast to light. Sure. Well, Casey and I know each other from high school. Uh, Casey was, we, we were more friends of friends than we were friends. Um, Casey was sort of this like mythological figure in my life. Everybody <laughs> would tell stories about Casey and be like, this guy doesn't sound real, uh, but he's real. <laughs> to be clear, those were crazy stories. Like this guy's insane. I had nothing to do with trees at the time. It's true. <laughs> Uh, and then Casey and I, you know, crossed paths here and there. I think we lived together briefly at, at Oregon State University. Um, and then he moved back to Portland at a certain point a few years ago. And I, I'm somebody that Casey brings, like, traditionally has brought, like, creative ideas to. Um, yeah, I, I should, I, I want to add to this, that Alex is a musician and has always been um, more in touch with doing artistic creative projects whether that's music or making videos or anything like that and also like comes with the technical skills for that i don't have those things and whenever i would want to do some kind of creative project alex would be the first person i would think of to be like a a bellwether is this a good idea and b to say hey can we collaborate on this thing because i don't know how to do it and i think you are the creative person that can like make actual creative things happen oh well thanks you're you're a (laughs) You have lots of ideas, which I like. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a slam, but it's, no, no, <laughs> it's I, a compliment. I, I, swear. I totally, that is my bill. I'm an ideas guy. You know, yeah, so Casey, I'm oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. Well, Casey, Casey came to me at a certain point and said, I want to make a show. I want to make a podcast. Uh, I had never made a podcast before. Casey had been on a, on a popular podcast. And that, I think that's sort of rustled his jimmies a little bit and made him, made him want to <laughs> produce something like this. And uh, he pitched it to me in a way that I loved. And I and immediately the entire thing like formed in my mind. I was like, oh, shit, we can do this. This is really good. And we just kind of started making it. We had a few brainstorming sessions about what we wanted it to be and the tone and the format um, and the structure of each episode. And then we just sort of started making it. Yeah, that's a that's about it. We really um, the the main thing also it was in the middle of the pandemic, so we were kind of uh, in a in a spot in Oregon. It was just becoming fall, and it was a really rough, hot summer. And then there was huge fires, and then after those fires, everything was just it, it, the whole vibe of the city was just awful. Everything was was really kind of depressing. So this was a way for Alex and I to kind of, uh, without knowing it, pull ourselves out of that kind of space and just put our pull our, all put all of our efforts towards something, you know, just for fun, just to do it. Tom, does this sound familiar? It, it, yeah, it, very, it sounds very like <laughs> <it's>. <laughs> we, you know, and and 
I'll, I'll give you a little background on us, but the, the reason why it sounds familiar is I was actually – I had a couple music podcasts that I had done, uh, none Ooh. of which were very popular. And the, the second one I was doing, I was just interviewing local bands in the Philly area, trying to give yeah. them a, a larger voice, trying to you know, get peop- let people get to know them a little bit. Uh, promote their music and and just create a bigger scene in Philadelphia. And I think like the last episode, I ended up getting like a a toothache. I had to cancel. Tom asked me if I wanted to do a pandemic or do a do a podcast. And then the pandemic hit like right after the first episode, oh, like the no. the second week, the second guest, like we had to cancel. And that's when we went to lockdown. And and we just slowly figured out we're like, well, now what are we going to do? Like. What's the format of this? How are we going to do it? And we did it by ourselves for a little bit and figured out how to finally – it was really before we even knew what Zoom was. We figured out how to hook a phone up and do some phone calls, and then it, it just mm-hmm. evolved. But the funny thing is we didn't know – like we worked together. We've known each other for a long time, but we didn't know if we'd have the chemistry to do that. Mm-hmm. Like even though you're friends, did you know you'd have the chemistry that you do? Because it's so complimentary. Not really. I mean <laughs> – it's. I, I think it's hard to. It's hard to know going in what it's going to feel like, but I think it sort of worked out uh, well on accident because Casey is this this fount of knowledge and energy, and I am. I am. I was the novice and the kind of the layperson and the the cynic, and. Um, so I, I was cracking wise while Casey was trying to teach me something. <laughs> I think people latched onto that. I don't know. I think it, I think it works well, and we've definitely we've definitely honed it over the years um, to where we're we we play into our. I'm, I'm going to put characters in quotes a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. they are just us, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's like, but there is also like podcast Casey and Alex Casey, mm. uh, Alex Casey, <laughs> podcast <laughs> Alex. Yeah, it's actually just me this whole time. <laughs> working on, we're working on Alex Casey. It's like a Frankenstein's monster situation. Um, but I, yeah, I think I think once you figure out your dynamic, it's it's easier to kind of lean into it and accentuate that. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that it also helps just that Alex and I have been friends for so long that we're you know we've communicated about random things a hundred thousand times. So yeah. it's just. It was very simple to uh, to already have known each other in you know in depth ways that we could just sit and talk. So putting a microphone and kind of focusing that talk was really all it took. But that was you know there was definitely a learning curve to it to be like oh Casey you need to stop talking for a while because Alex <laughs> needs to talk or you know to figure out the balance of the 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 kind of trajectory of the narrative was really important and that that took some some learning certainly on my part but also. It has a lot to do with um, also being open and honest with each other because Alex would have to say, Casey, I feel like you're taking all the air in the room. I, you know, that's not very, um, it's not very good for me as a, as an artist, but it's also not very good for the podcast because, you know, this isn't just a me interviewing you kind of space. So yeah, it really took some back and forth. I, I, I would not think it, yeah, it would be disingenuous to say we just sat down and did it perfectly the first time. Yeah, we definitely had to go through and, and figure out exactly how it is we need to do it, and that I think is where Alex brings up the kind of personality um, of the the podcast versus not the podcast, because when we're talking, just Alex and I, you know, if I'm out in front of somebody, then they're asking about trees, then it goes to me. But when they're in the show, we have to make sure that we're we're talking 
to each other, but also understanding how we are telling a story with each other without actually saying, Alex, now go. Casey, now go. Yeah. I think the learning curve was how to have a conversation, but how to have a podcast conversation because they're two, they're two very different things. Um, the conversations that Casey and I have in real life are not podcast quality. <laughs> Far more <laughs> excellent. <laughs> How do you feel when you go back and listen to early episodes? <laughs> <laughs> I look at it and I kind of think, oh, those guys were cute. Look yeah. at them. <laughs> I, I don't want to speak for you, Alex, but I think that you probably cringe because you have such a hard um, – you're, you're your own worst critic as a musician, especially. You're like, ah, this has to be good. And then when you, you do something, you listen back, compare it to whatever the most recent thing is. You're like, oh, man, I didn't know anything about what I was doing. Yeah, I, I try to avoid listening to older <laughs> stuff. I mean, even stuff as, 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 uh, as recent as maybe six months ago, I'm like, oh, we've improved so much. Yeah. And I hope I always feel that way, you know. Yeah, and, and that's a good way to look at it. Like when people find us, I, I can't say I don't have that thought. Like, please start from our most recent episode and work back. Please yes. don't find the early episodes and try to work forward because it's going to take you 35 episodes before it resembles what it looks like today. Totally. Yeah, and, I, I feel the same way. And it's yeah. it's format. Like, I think we had an idea of what we wanted the format to be early on. And then it's that that weird road where you're trying to listen to the criticism and get better but not let it affect the art that you're trying to do and what is that line cuz we'd get we'd get like we'd ask people what do you think and you get hey the show's great but i would change this 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 yeah. that and that and then you're it like was, wow that's it was the whole less show less talking about yeah <laughs> less talk about pizza more talk about plants was basically the general sentiment <laughs> yeah. of what we had we used to go on these large like long long tangents Tangent. early on about just Whatever or, we like, wanted to talk yeah, about, or which mostly revolved around pizza Food. and cheesesteaks and yeah. yep. <laughs> the typical New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia fare. But we realized that there were there was an audience for people that wanted to hear us. There was an audience for people that wanted to hear guests. So we made two different formats. So every other week you hear a guest. Every other week Tom and I, it's just us, and everything's done in a way where we each get to present. So if we do current events, we each present a current event. If we're talking about plants that we're liking, we each get to present a plant. If we're complaining, we each get to complain. So, uh, <laughs> and we just kind of did it in a way that we each kind of have our turn at it, and it just works out. Well, we balance each other well, so it's mm. it's interesting mm. that way. And the same way, I feel how the two of you balance each other very well. But we want the input from our listeners, but at the same time, I'm like, well, how much do you change? Like, or how? Like, at what point are you not true to what you're trying to convey? And that's that's always been the hard part for me. Yeah, for us too. I we, you know, I, I think we only get a few of those emails every year or so of people really ripping into us for not doing this and doing too much of this. But they feel so they feel so heavy and impactful. You know, I think about them like I can I can remember almost word for word several of those emails to this day. Um, and I think there's a there's sort of like an artistic contrarian gene that's like if you tell me not to talk about hamburgers so much in the in the first 10 minutes of the episode we're going to spend the first 15 minutes talking about hamburgers <laughs> because this is our show it's not your show and i think that's just like it comes with having an audience you know people people have a parasocial relationship with casey and i and the show and they feel some ownership over it yeah. mm -hmm. 
Um, how they express that it comes in varying degrees of healthfulness um, and helpfulness. But yeah, it's it's been hard to get those emails because I just want to, my instinct is just to write back and say, fuck you, it's our show. <laughs> Casey yeah. stops me from doing that, thankfully. Um, I'm not allowed to respond. Friend, does that sound familiar? Yeah. That- yeah, it does. It does because I have to work it out before we get on the podcast yeah. and, and bring it down to a level. We had one where someone had given us a five-star review, but it wasn't a good review. And we kind of addressed it on the podcast saying, I, I appreciate that this is what you want, but that's not the type of show that we are. They wanted us to just focus on what – this person wanted – like we want you to tell us what we should plant in our yards in New Jersey. And I'm like, well, that's not really our show. It's it's a broader show. We're That's not going to be us. And then the review went to a three-star review and then complained. And then we addressed oh, no. it again, and then it became a one-star review, and it just got changed to too much chatter, which I, did, I didn't tell you. I just had that made into a T-shirt. It's, oh, it's nice. on order. I'm waiting yeah. for it to come in. Good for you. Just the five star review. I'm gonna wear it. I'm gonna wear it. Proudly. So he did not send the email because I talked him out of that. But he did make a T-shirt. <laughs> with the- so funny. That is great. Idea. <laughs> we gotta take that idea. Yeah, just steering straight into. <laughs> no, yeah, but it, it's, it's difficult. Like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm. That's it. All right. Zoom. Zoom is such a nightmare, isn't it? Um, I think it's tough. Uh, you know, the more energy you give to those things the worse it feels almost for everyone i think i've i've learned very slowly and very tediously to just archive the email and move on like i don't need to hear what they had to say i can tell from the first three words that it's not going to be helpful for me to read um and again we have a strong vision and it doesn't matter what anybody tells us we should do more or less of because if it doesn't align with our vision, we're not going to do it. And something else that I think is curious um, is that both of our shows work around plants very specifically. And I have found that people have such a strong sense of, of ownership or yeah. like or dislike towards different plants where if I think the Arborvita is completely dumb and I don't like this tree for many different reasons – there are numerous people who live by the Arborvita. And so I'm sure you guys get this a lot where you cover a plant or you, you don't say something about it or they, you know, want to hear it in a certain light and you don't, you know, maybe do it exactly the way that um, someone else would want to or want to hear. But that is, um, I think, something that's unique about plant podcasts is that they are, um, everyone has such a visceral reaction to plants, probably more than almost anything else yeah like if we do a car podcast you probably get some people be like no the 1974 is definitely the better <laughs> version but they're not going to be saying you completely missed this entire discussion on the the tailpipe and how this engineering works like i just think that plants are are a unique topic yeah one we had with that was uh was with junipers virginiana or, or eastern red cedar mm-hmm. and um and we talk about that but and we said something nice you just had a flurry of activity from the southeast of people saying that what a terrible tree it is being how invasive it is in that region. And then mm-hmm. I brought up how that was the case. Like I was in Texas and I just saw how much it could take over if it wasn't controlled by fire or mowing or something like that. And um, mm-hmm. and then we had a whole bunch of people say, but it's so great for the birds. The birds <laughs> need this and eat the berries and all. And it was like, what? A, how can you bash such a great plant? So I, mm-hmm. I 
feel that too. Yeah, no matter what you say, they're you're missing some part of the conversation because there's so much going on with all a lot of these plans. And we try to wrap to, wrap around. You realize you're never going to make everyone happy, and you have oh, to remember yeah. that. And and we try to be specific. We we're, we're liking this plant in this area. Yeah. For this it's, reason. It's hard to weigh the good of a plant and the bad with a plant and and put it together. And if only there was like one really great way to rate plants <laughs> and say what their value is. Like, like a if golden was, cone? Yeah. Something like I, I was gonna say I got a great I got a great scheme for you. <laughs> way ahead of you um I, I will say, you know, people I think I think some listeners and I I, I know you know the ones just want you to be 100% objective and they don't want your personality leaking into mm-hmm. anything to do with this tree. Um, we have to, we have to tell ourselves like, it's okay to have an opinion. You know, there's a reason we are hosting this show It's mm-hmm. because of our personalities and our opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we try to do that even with our listeners. Cause we do have a Facebook group where everyone gets to interact and we try to constantly just preach tolerance. It's okay for you to have the opinion that you have. It's okay for everyone else to have the opinion they have. And everyone's on a journey. They're at different paces. Like not every vegan was born a vegan. Maybe they, they experienced something, one maybe try vegetarian or pescatarian and work their way on their journey at their pace. You kind of have to let everyone that same afford them that same uh, advantage. Let them take the journey yeah. at their pace. They'll get there eventually or they won't. And that's okay. That's, that's, that's still part of the journey, right? Exactly. So speaking of journeys, uh, your love of trees, let's start. Where did that start? I know it's going to be different for each of you, but where did that love come from? And I, I guess as a second question, has the podcast changed your love of trees? How does it differ from episode one to where you're at now? Alex, you should start. I was going to say I'll sit back. <laughs> no, I'm, I really want to hear your your version of this. I think well, Alex's version is probably the more interesting version, or more maybe the more germane one because it's been almost forced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my paying my rent depends on my interest in trees. <laughs> um, you know, I I never. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. We are surrounded by huge, beautiful forests. Um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, uh, if you're, if you grow up around something, you become blind to it. You just, it it becomes a part of your world and you don't really focus on it necessarily. This can happen. And that's what happened with me. I didn't give trees a second thought for the first 33 years of my life, 32 years. Um, I like being around trees. I think, I think it's one of those things like, you may not notice the trees, but your brain does, you know, they, it, they make you happier. They make you feel uh, more at peace. And I, I certainly felt that anytime I'm in nature, but I'm a great, I, I say this over and over. I am a great endorsement. Um, I love the comfort. I'm, I'm very Hobbit-esque in that way. I love the comforts of home um, and luxury. I shouldn't say luxury, but it's like, I love to be cozy <laughs> and I love to be around my things, you know. Are you an introvert um, by nature? Uh, I think so. I'm like an okay. extroverted introvert. Okay. Like I definitely need to recharge by myself. Um, but when I'm when I'm out and I can get in the mood to, yeah. to be around people, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I think when Casey proposed the podcast of 
about trees. I was like, this is great because I don't really give a shit about trees. So I'll I'll be like kind of the, you know, um, I'll be that side of the equation. Casey will be the super enthusiast. But then, gosh, over time, I think if you learn enough about anything, your natural interest starts to grow. Um, I'm quite fond of trees. I know a lot about them now. I would say more than average. Um, and I, I, I have become sort of the Casey clap of other people's lives. If I'm, if I'm out taking a walk with a friend, I will stop us and point out things that I see on a tree that interests me much in the way that Casey always does with me and everyone. And also everyone else. Too, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I had to, I had to sort of force it a bit at the beginning and, you know, oh, wow, that's really interesting. But then after a certain point, you, you, it just sort of starts to be self-perpetuating. And then sometimes it's not. Sometimes I just really don't care. I get kind of sick of trees. And that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I bring it up on the show. I'm just, I, I will say flat out, I'm not really interested in this right now, which is maybe not good podcasting, but it makes <laughs> me feel I'm being transparent, you know, because um, I never want to be disingenuous on the show. There, there so was... There was actually one time where Tom and I were recording and we actually stopped mid-recording and went, you know, we should just stop right now. Neither of us are in the right frame of mind for this. Let's let's erase it and come back another time. Yeah. And that's fine. Casey, it's okay to feel that, that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we, we will op- not often. Sometimes we we sit down to record. We have a big kind of emotionally driven conversation about, you know, maybe there's something going on in our lives and then we'll we'll go, you know, I don't want to record. Today. <laughs> this is not the mood. Um, but yeah, so now now I'm fond of trees and um, I know quite a bit about them and I don't have to fake it as much. Um, but Casey has a vastly different background in his interest in trees. <laughs> yeah, that is, it is true. Um, yeah, I started, uh, you know, I, I always liked to go camping when I was younger, but my mom, uh, who I grew up mostly just with a single mom and she is not a camper. So we would always go camping with somebody else, whether it's my cousins or a friend. And I was just interested. I liked being out there more than anything and ended up doing some, uh, some work in my backyard and went to uh, school to be a landscape architect. That was the thing that really started me down this path, trying to figure out what trees are and how they work. Um, Because I decided landscape architecture was horrible, but I took one class. It was called trees across Oregon And it was a natural history slash tree identification class where it taught all the trees um, that are native to Oregon as well as a couple that are not and all of their natural history across the state, which is really interesting out here in the, in the far West, you go from one side of Oregon to the other side and you've, you've went from the temperate rainforest to a high desert to an actual literal desert. There's, it's just a mind blowing variety. And so we ended up learning how to identify trees and really rudimentarily how they worked. And I I really can't explain why. I've tried multiple times. I wrote an essay about it and I just cannot give you a good reason as to why I like trees, but they just fascinated me. And every single time I kept learning more about them, either how they worked or how they affected people or how our language or some other really confusingly not related topic has some way, uh, you know, it's some way you can trace it to trees and plants and things like that. It just got me 
um, it just changed my entire vision of the world. So I started seeing the world through trees and that is really what, um, you know, in a, in a pretty, in a pretty big nutshell, I'd say that's, that's kind of the thing that got me started. And I love the, um, I just love the natural world and seeing how each individual thing functions as a part of every big thing. And the whole system of it fascinates me. So I just started looking into it and then got overly enthusiastic learned everything I possibly could. And it was like the most sponge I've ever felt in my life when I was in college and just about to the end of it. And then just after when I started working and it just became this, this passion that I could not keep to myself. And I wanted to keep teaching people as much as I could. So whenever I would want to teach something, I would end up learning more about it myself because I wanted to address every question that I had so that if someone else asked that question, I would be able to answer it. And in doing that, I ended up kind of developing these wild connection things between plants where someone would ask me this question. And I'd say, well, that's an interesting question. And here's why. And then I'd go on this long, big roundabout way to answer their question. Alex has had this happen a thousand <laughs> times. Hey, like, how do leaves grow? And I'm like, well, first, let me tell you about the ancient Romans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, oh, it's, Casey. it just, it, it was a way that I found to just, you know, put all these different things together. So bless your self-awareness, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. It, it, I've tried, I, like I said, I wrote a whole essay about this and at the end of the essay, it turned out I didn't actually address the question at all. So I, I really can't tell you, you know, how, how I got there other than it just is one of those things that catches you and you just focus on it intensely and then all of a sudden, years later, people are asking you questions and saying that you know things better than anyone. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? And then, you know, you get a podcast and people really listen to you and you're like, okay, wow. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's only something that I, that happens that I, I can look back on, but I can't tell you the, I can't tell you how I got here. Is, is continually doing the podcast sparking it to take it to another level for you? Yeah, I think it does because um, it, it's unstructured really is what it is. I mean, we have a structure of the show, but we are the ones who decide what that structure is. So what is happening in our future is, you know, structured in terms of the time, but the topics and what we cover is completely up to us. So every now and then Alex and I sit down, we try and come up with an idea or maybe a theme or a, some some series, some, some strange idea, or I'm just reading through some article, you know, just trolling the internet because I'm looking up something and then this other thing catches my eye or I hear someone say something and I'm like, I'm going to have to look into that. And then I just end up going down these rabbit holes on mostly on Wikipedia. I just love rabbit holes on Wikipedia and it ends up bringing, um, the, the interesting things that aren't taught in your normal curriculum out into the world or the things that you would only find on the most obscure interest or uh, insect pod, not podcast, but insect um, documentary or something like that. And I'm like, what tree are they doing that on and why? And so it, it piques my interest because now I get to do deep dives into things that are not in any way related to anything that I do in any other aspect of my life. You know, ants and a trumpet tree, you know, it's like, well, what does that have to do with anything else? nothing but i get issues i will say though not to put you on blast but to to recognize that this is a thing and it's totally healthy and okay that even you go through peaks and valleys in terms of feeling 
really engaged and creative with the content. Yeah, definitely. Like you, you mentioned last week, we were both, we were both extremely tired last week and it was just like, we were run down and I, you know, we're probably still run down, but we're ignoring it. So that'll come <laughs> up later. Um, and you were like, I'm just like, I'm, I've been basically writing a college essay once a week for two years. Yeah. And that really put it in perspective for me. I was like, that is so much fucking work. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and there's gotta be some like, um, like the feeling of pressure to perform. Like you're putting this out there to thousands of people and you want them to have a positive experience, whether it's the hundredth episode they listen to or or first episode they listen to. It's, it kind of reminds me of a, this is a, a, this is a Casey moment for me. I have a lot of similarities here. My wife and I were talking about Taylor Swift the other night and, and how like every, yeah, every performance she's doing right now is just like identical. It seems like, and she's putting in, whether it's raining or, or, and how much work she has to put in just like she has to ignore if she twisted her ankle or she feels a little under the weather or she's tired because you have tens of thousands of people who paid to see her that night and they want the same performance as everyone else got. So, I, think yeah. it, I think it's only natural. I mean it's it's pretty fascinating when I think Tom grew up in a native plant nursery and almost didn't join the family business. At one point his plan was – his college education was taking you – it's still like – in ag and hort, but just in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and I, even though I worked at a native plant nursery, I had I've been in the plant nursery industry for thirty five years, and I didn't really understand the ecological side of it. Even though I sold the plants for it, like it was a job, and I was mm-hmm. passionate about it, but not in the same way. And we kind of used the podcast guests as a crutch. Like we're not experts. Neither mm-hmm. of us. No one's going to want to turn it tune in to hear us. But we'll just bring experts on, and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll interview them and and try to make it a good interview. And it just kind of like turned the tables a little bit. Like it made us look at everything. Like our journey. Like I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm so much better at what I do because of how passionate and the understanding I have from learning from all these experts over the years. And now mm-hmm. people will kind of think that we're experts. We st- I still feel like fraud, but people. <laughs> People look at us that way, and it's just interesting that you know sometimes it's still a job. We do it at work, like we're on the clock right now, and you have to find time. There's there's weeks where we record three podcasts, and we're like, oh my god, what am I? What are we even doing? Like, what are we talking about? Are we, are we prepared? Like, and then we'll have a guest that completely reinvigorate. Like, we'll go into it kind of half dead, and by the end of it, we're like, man, that was fantastic. Like, let's do another one. It's just that peak and valley. I think is normal. <laughs> Yeah, and I think accepting it and recognizing it is so, so helpful because the next – anytime it happens, you can just say, it happens. Let's just let's just keep going. The show must go on is like the most uh, capitalistic sort of phrase. <laughs> but it's – you know, we, we know – Casey and I know that on Thursday, there's going to be a new episode of our show online. Yeah. So – whether we are super stoked on it or we show up and we just perform and we're done, like it's got to happen. And however it happens, we'll, we'll figure it out when, when we do it, you know? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I, I mean, I, I brought this up for Alex also. So we do it for each other. Certainly is just say, you know, it's okay if this is not our best show, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay if we just make this happen and put it out there. But 
the the idea is and the kind of thing that I work on is if I can get excited about something, then I think we're going to have a good show because I can also hopefully express that to Alex. And that's that's kind of the the way that I measure is, uh, the success of a show. Some of my favorite shows are the ones where I talk about um, some big idea and I bring it up to Alex in kind of a kind of a cryptic way where I'm like, today we're going to talk about this thing and how it does this. And Alex is like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, oh, does it? <laughs> and then whenever uh, there's a show where I, I say something and Alex is like, what? That's incredible. Then I know like I, I got something and I, I found this this way to to tell this story. And and those are, I think are my my favorite episodes because that that tells me that I I did a good job of expressing something that I think is really interesting and, and fascinating. And I got to explain it to, you know, a good friend who I value the opinion of very mm-hmm. much, who then also says, wow, that is fascinating. And while I value Alex's opinion and you are a tree expert, the whole point is that you're, you're not someone who would go out and do all this research and find this mm-hmm. interesting in yourself. You would be looking at say music, uh, like pedals and interesting <laughs> Uh, plugins to put for your your records and like those are the, the the rabbit holes that you go down so if i can like say hey let me take it out a quick rabbit hole and have you be like that is equally as fascinating mm. um that is also how i think that our our listeners um respond is that they're like oh my gosh they may you know have an interest in trees or plants already so it shouldn't be you know a a really wild ride for them but yeah i think um just being able to Say sometimes this is just going to be a a car drive through the suburbs. Other times it's going to be this wild roller coaster through the mountains, and just being okay with that, you know, whichever way it is. Um, yeah, it's something we've definitely had to both get used to and be okay with. And you know, so far I think everyone else in the world has accepted that because they're also like, yeah, me too. So it, it just depends on which week they're listening. Sometimes you just need one person to have the energy. And at mm-hmm. least fill the room with that energy, um, and and that happens. And sometimes it doesn't happen till fifteen minutes in. I, I feel if the content's good, if someone can walk away and say I learned something, sometimes that makes up for the the lack of energy if there is some. Sometimes, but you know, Tom and I will sometimes just do things to surprise each other. Like I I one one time had someone call in as a prank phone call, oh, being yeah. the bird lady from uh, Home Alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tom's scared of the bird oh, that's lady a, that's from a Mary Poppins. Yeah, that's a long story. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess every now and then I throw you a book or a cone or something like that. Yeah, or I'll surprise so. you with like a parody song that you didn't see coming. Yes, that is true. Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. That's awesome. So, you and you kind of mentioned your research. And I was going to ask because there's so much you we learn from each episode. How much of that is knowledge? How much of it is research? And how mm-hmm. much of that do you walk away retaining afterwards? Man, that's a very good question. Um, it depends on, for me at least. So I'm, I am the the ninety five percent the content creator. Um, I don't want to say a hundred percent because you know a lot of the content comes from Alex asking questions or um, we work together. There's uh, Croson's homegrown trivia. So um, the the main thing that I do is come up with the the tree and the topic and kind of what it is we're going to be talking about and. So half the time, if it's a tree that I'm very familiar with, that's usually um, some amount of retention. That's something that I've I've known for a long time. You know, uh, I've interacted with this tree. I've seen it a hundred times. I can identify it with my eyes closed. 
Um, and then, of course, there's a lot of basis that comes with how do trees work, and that's something that I, you know, do for a living and have studied for a really long time. But it's the trees that are unfamiliar or the topics that are a little bit more in-depth. That really takes a lot of research on my part to figure out, like, what is a uh, a tropical tree that is a late successional tree that's not from the United States? And I'm like, oh, gosh, I have no idea even where to start. So I have to go down all these rabbit holes and figure it out and do the research to make sure that this tree is, you know, finding this certain niche or, you know, filling this niche in our show, rather, not a, not a an ecological one. So a lot of the research for me comes from uh, seeing whatever it is that I'm going to be talking about. I've actually, actually, Alex, I think I learned this like the first or second uh, day hmm. is that I could say something, then as soon as I would say it, I'd be like, I don't actually know if that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized that I, you know, whatever I say, I want, I want to make sure that it is mostly backed up. So I had to just um, fact check myself after a while and make sure that, you know, whatever thing I'm saying is accurate. So I'd say if I was going to break it down, it would be probably 50% knowledge, 50% research, and then retention is going to be somewhere around 25% of the new <laughs> research. Because, um, yeah, putting out a show every week, um, I often forget what it is we talked about the week before, so I have to go back and say, oh, yeah, what did I say about that tree? And then I'll need to review that. But we have all the notes. We have, obviously, all the recordings. So it's not too difficult. But every now and then, there's some interesting facts that do kind of pop out and stick with me. But man, I, they only come up in conversation sometimes. So like every now and then someone says something, I'm like, well, did you know about this tree? But I don't think it's often that I just have that sitting there. Usually there has to be some trigger for it. Mm. But I'm I'm really curious about you, Alex, uh, in terms well, of those three things. I will say, Casey, that your, your sort of pre-existing knowledge, I feel is like the salt to the dish that is the new research. Oh, because you I have like that. so much. You have so much context, you know, through, through all of the things you know about trees well, thank you. that when you do new research about something that you really don't know about, I feel like it's accentuated. You you research at a at a more proficient rate or something or it's like more valuable to you because you have so much pre-existing knowledge. Gotcha. Well, thanks, Alex. You're welcome. The, the two of you <laughs> present it in a way it's so much information, but it's presented in a way that's palatable. Um, because you, you could easily present all this information and someone could walk away and go, I, I didn't even retain, you know, yeah. 10% of that. It just went over my head, but it's so palatable and entertaining that I find myself walking away feeling like I retained a good amount by the time it's over. A goal. <laughs> yeah. It oh, yeah. works for Casey because he has, he has to, I am the surrogate audience, right? Casey has to explain it in a way that I understand. Someone with little little scientific knowledge. I'm not like I I failed every science class I've ever taken. It's just not for me. <laughs> it doesn't click with my brain. Um, so if Casey can get me to understand it and be engaged with with it and and you know be excited about it, then he knows that our tree loving audience who already has some base of knowledge will really appreciate it and it'll it'll work for them so i'm sort of like his canary in the coal mine in terms of what works and what doesn't work yeah very true so i i i 
I love that idea, but I hope that I don't kill you on the ones that I do a bad job. Alex, how much do you feel you re- retain from this? Because it's basically like you're sitting in a class learning when you walk away. Are you surprised how much you retain? Is it when you're walking down the road and you see something, you're like, oh, yeah, we talked about this. This is the plan. Yeah, I retain quite a bit. I mean, I you also I listen to everything twice because yeah. I, I record it and then I'm, I'm the editor. So okay. – I have to listen to it again. Not have to. I get to. Sorry, Casey. I get to listen. Depends on the episode. Depends on the episode. <laughs> there are sometimes we'll we'll be up against it a little bit. We'll like record on a Wednesday and it's coming out on Thursday. And so I have to record, take a lunch break, come back and listen to it again. And it that's that's some real Less Olympic level patience. <laughs> I, I but, got um, excited for you, like listening to the redux of Douglas Fir when you're talking or was it a uh, Don Redwood talking about the cones um, and just what you were remembering from the cones. I was like, man, for someone that's not a plant person by trade, like you're talking in a way that if I didn't know, I wouldn't know. Like it, it was yeah. just very impressive. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I I keep quite a bit and I think I, I retain more than I think I do because I will be out, you know, in the field, which really mean, just means like out on my street here and – I will start noticing things about trees and be be able to recall terms and um, I'll I be able to ID characteristics. I'll think where the he- where did this come from? It's almost like you loved a song when you were a teenager and then you're in your 30s and you hear that song again and you remember all the lyrics, even though you don't even know what you're saying. They just like come to you. It's sort of like that. It's like it's like um just sitting in my brain and I, and I, when I recall it, it surprises me, but you know, we, I think what helps is the repetition. We don't shy away from saying we've talked about this before, but let's talk about it again because that's how a lot of people learn. But I think probably everyone, how everyone learns best is through repetition. Um, So we, we don't say, I I try not to let it squeak by with uh, the cones are peltate. And then this and this and this. I like to stop and say, what does that mean? Let's refresh people so that we don't, you know, so we can drill things into people's heads. And that also helps me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's actually something interesting is that Alex, uh, for a spell, studied education as a as a actual topic, I believe. Is that right, Alex? For a few terms, yeah. yeah. But you actually took some classes and said, oh, here's how you do education things. I've not taken a single class on that. I just talk about it to people. And so at the end of the day, I think it's really helpful that Alex has this kind of very broad background in a lot of stuff, knows what sounds good, knows what would be helpful. And also as someone who is playing the role of creative and creative director, but also like, you know, a content director to a certain extent, um, while also being the co-host and editor and, you know, a friend all at the same time, mm-hmm. it's always nice to have um, this kind of back of Alex's mind, you know, I guess I don't see it until afterwards or until the moment where Alex does say, Oh, Hey, you gotta like, what exactly is that again? Let's just refresh that. Cause I, I would just go straight through it sometimes. And so it's really helpful to have someone remind us someone being Alex. Um, okay. What exactly is that thing you just said? Because lots of people won't actually know it. Well, it's and I mean this completely as a compliment, Alex. It's sometimes I feel like you're almost the person on the side of the stage doing the sign language interpretation of what it is, just kind of breaking it down for maybe someone that didn't get it the first time. Just kind of 
all right, this is what it is. This is let's take a second, slow it down, which is fantastic because that's something we don't always do. Yeah. You know, we just hear about it after the fact. Like, oh, (laughs) could you mention maybe remember to mention the the common name next time instead of speaking all in botanical names? You know, thanks. Yeah, I I, I think I've I think I've settled into that role a lot more um, over the last year or so. And now I I really play into it. So that's that's a meaningful compliment. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So how do you choose the the trees that you're going to have on? Because you're doing like a, a tree profile every week. Is it stuff that you you think is cool or you want to hate on or, or – Or educate. Or is it just, hey, I'm going to go through a, a book and then point my finger with my eyes closed and say that's the one I'm going to do? How do you oh, pick? That would be so good. Well, it, it comes a little bit between Alex and I. We usually sit down for – um, a couple hours every probably few months and we try to plan out what we're going to do for the next uh, couple months. And we, we like to do a lot of things. This is another thing that Alex really brings to the show is like a lot of exciting little things just to do some exciting little thing. Like let's do something silly for the sake of doing something silly. And so we try to choose like little series and then um, together we come up with a theme and then I brainstorm some trees and some topics and then um often we get um alex doing research to try and say well what about this is this a tree does this work how about that and we kind of go back and forth and bounce ideas off of each other so that we can essentially find ourselves um moving the the overall narrative arc of our whole you know podcast forward and so sometimes someone says i want you to do this tree and this topic I look into it and I'm like, yes, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Other times someone sends something or Alex sees something in the world and says, that looks like a wild tree. Let's do it. The Nani is a great example mm-hmm. where you just found that Alex and said, let's talk about this tree. And I was like, sounds good. Let's make it happen. So um, most of the time, if we're really like under the gun, then we might choose a tree that kind of feels feels easier and we can just kind of come up with a quick topic and say, yeah, this is a nice, easy thing to talk about. Let's do that. Other times it is more of a um, a larger scheme that we have to do and we have to find the way that these things all kind of move together. I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, or our October series. We did um, an October of, uh, what was it, Spooktober or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And so we wanted to find trees that had some some spooky quality to it. And so we planned that out, but we had to think of, four different trees that had certain attributes that we could run together. Um, we also did one, obviously the most recent big one was on succession. And then prior to that, there's a, a few others um, that are just escaping my mind at the moment, but each one we have to kind of come up with a theme and then find trees that fit that theme. But we also don't want to be so centric on just the United States or just Oregon or the West or anywhere, just European trees. We want to make sure, you know, listeners, can either learn about trees from around the world or learn about the trees that are right there. Or, you know, if you're a listener in Australia, then you probably want to hear some Australian trees. And that is something that we want to make sure that, you know, without doing too much anywhere, it is pretty United States centric because that's kind of my knowledge base and that's where we're at. But once we can really move away and find a different tree, then if I know it, then it's really easy. Otherwise, it's uh, it's just a, a matter of finding the tree and making sure there's enough information out there to actually fill some episode. There's some trees that uh, the Wikipedia page, for example, just says, this is a tree that exists, right. and that's it. 
we got to find, you know, a little bit more details uh, than that. Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Tom and I have experienced that we have a second podcast called The Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran that we do nine weeks every year. And our producer this year presented us with a different plant every day. So we're both trying to guess what the plant is. And oh, on numerous really? occasions, like once a week, twice a week, we we're getting plants that we've never heard of. So we're going into an yeah. episode now learning, which is mm-hmm. we're like, all right, learning everyone's going to learn. also trying to teach, which <laughs> yeah. is – yeah, just going off a fact sheet that we have and uh, and trying to yeah. – oh, and you're exactly. encountering terms that you've never read before. <laughs> it's the so, host species for for some crazy butterfly that, that we has can't. X's and Z's in the name, <laughs> and you have to pronounce it on the fly. And, uh, yeah. All right, there it is. Yeah. What is – speaking of pronunciation, what's your go-to – Tom and I constantly feel when we're with other people in the industry if someone pronounces a botanical name differently from how we pronounce it we automatically assume we're wrong and they're right and there's so many names that we've heard pronounced three or four different ways i after listening to your episode on douglas fir i'm like all right i've been pronouncing menziesii completely incorrect for 35 <laughs> years you know where where do you go to to for your confidence on how that that Latin or botanical should be pronounced. It's a bit of a hot topic for us. It really is. Yeah. Casey and I are both uh, lingual enthusiasts. We love language in all of its forms. Um, We love etymology. So, and we love, we love just like words, you know, we love the way a word feels on your tongue and your teeth when you're saying it, or like, it's, you know, this word is just dripping with something, you know, um, so I often, often he will, he will say one way and I will propose another way. And then we kind of like meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But often, you know, he's been saying a scientific name for the last 20 years or whatever. And I see it for the first time and I take a, I take a crack at it. And he's like, interesting. That is not even <laughs> close to how anyone has ever said it to me. It's a lot of fun. I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. And I think, um, Alex, actually, you are far better at language than I am. Um, so whenever there's something that comes up, like, you know, what are we saying? Uh, how do you say this Japanese word? Alex knows uh, a better way to do it or can read the... Um, read words in another language with a lot of dashes and syllables in it and know how to put those together. And also sometimes, you know, we definitely listen to Google and see what Google says. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we usually, um, we try to get it right, but we do also accept we're not going to get it right. We had a listener from Japan one time, <laughs> so sweet, send us a message that said, basically, oh, you guys are so cute for trying. Thank you for trying, but really just don't worry about it. No one's going <laughs> to yeah. get on your back because you're, you're not saying something perfectly. And it was just, it was such a nice message because we were really trying and felt very self-conscious if we didn't do it. Yeah. And um, it was just a nice reminder to have other people be like, hey, we really don't care how you're saying this, you know, try your best, but yeah, whatever. Just don't, just don't make fun of it is the thing that I think everyone is really kind of putting out there. Don't mock the language. 
try your best, but no one's going to expect you're going to get it right. I'd yeah. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, uh, the bigger the the bigger side of that coin is common names. Um, yeah, because some trees have I mean, what seems like dozens of folk taxonomy names, and Casey and I will call it one thing, and then comments will be like, "It's called this." It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. where you are, yeah, but it's called this where we are, so that's why we called it that because we are yeah. where we are. Yeah. Um, that that's one that really rubs me wrong when people call each other out for that sort of thing. It's like we all call it something different, and you know that. <laughs> yeah, you research some of these, and you may fa- find ten common names. And and we we know specifically for a couple of plants that we grow, there's certain plants that have the same common name. Uh, there's a sedge and a yeah. grass that they're both broom sedge. Um, so which yeah. you know to just say broom sedge, I'm like, is that Carex? Is it Andropogon? Which one? I'm not sure which one you mean. Like, and that's that's difficult. That's why we try to live by the botanical. But I never feel confident ever that I'm saying it. I just fake it till you make it. Oh yeah, and I I don't think with the botanical names, Latin is a dead language. So in my opinion, however you say it is right. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I think there's no one around to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, here in Rome, this is how we say that. So I, I think you're you're good no matter what. <laughs> when I first started in the industry in the late 80s, I had a friend whose dad had taught Latin. And he was like, give me a Latin name of a plant. And I'm like, pyracantha. And he goes, oh, firethorn. I'm like, you know the plant? He goes, no, that's what pyracantha means. It, it literally translates to firethorn. I was like, oh, oh, wow, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. See, that's half the reason I love language and scientific names is because you can read pyracantha, then you say firethorn, but then you can also look at the – the common name or where it was grown, Parthenosis uh, uh, kinkifolia or the Virginia creeper, Parthenos or Par- Partheno means virgin, and they found that in Virginia, named after the Virgin Queen, and it like all these roundabout kind of connections. And I'm like, I love this. Oh yeah, this. Like, so, so fun. You, you can translate these things in your brain. All of a sudden, you can you can see you can almost follow their trajectory from ancient Roman words all the way through France, all the way to, you know, England and then back over to the United States 400 years later. And having an understanding of the common name and the science, the botanical or scientific name of anything is like a mnemonic device. It, yeah. it instantly understanding why it's called that instantly helps you remember that tree or plant. Yeah. Which to say to Menzizia, um, which my friend Ross said, Oh, it's actually, there's no letter for the sound, but it would be pronounced Mingus. Blew my mind, but also <laughs> I'm like, well, that doesn't it doesn't help anyone when you have the name of someone at the end of it. You, mm-hmm. know? you, can't, you can't look at him like, oh, well, that looks just like old Archibald. So that must be the dumbest <laughs> <laughs> You know, but it's funny, like you said, like some of them are just little triggers. Like I believe, what was it, Tom? Echinacea is derived from Greek for hedgehog. Like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you think the, the middle of that cone flower. I'm like, yeah, that, I kind of – I can see that. Like that makes sense. So it's – some of those that do definitely help me remember. I love learning some of that. Some of them I'll never remember, but some of them I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. Those are, those are the mm-hmm. good ones. <laughs> so, so for our listeners, if they're unfamiliar with your podcast, what are some of your favorite episodes that you would guide someone to to start? Ooh. I have a quick answer case. All right, yeah, of course, go. Which is pomegranate. Pomegranate, it's a good one. I, I like our whole season. We did a we did a season twelve episodes called plant based diet uh, last year. Uh, last year, 
Two years ago. It was two years ago. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Where does the time go? Uh, <laughs> we did 12 episodes on trees that give us food. And uh, the pomegranate episode was my favorite because I got to I got to talk about uh, one of my interests, which is mythology. Mm-hmm. We talked about Persephone and Hades and the pomegranate. Yeah. Um, so I would I would point people toward that one. It's I think it's a good, well-rounded episode. And I'm not just saying that, Casey, because I take center stage. <laughs> no, that is perfectly fine. Um, let's see. I have a couple favorites. One, um, I like the Quince episode that we did uh, a couple uh, weeks ago. Let's or months ago at this point. Yeah. Let's see. That came out in last year, right at the end of the year. And I like that one because the Quince is a plant that or is a fruit that is historically the fruit that everyone was talking about in all of the old texts whenever they said golden apple. But because we have an actual apple, golden apple is just, uh, rather, poem is kind of that, again, a linguistic, linguistic thing. Poem is just the term for that kind of fruit. So when you say golden apple, that is a quince. When you say an apple, that is the apple. So the apple is now kind of because of that strange translation, we say that the apple plays all these parts in historical accounts when really it was probably the quince. And I just love that, like, there's mythology, there's plants, there is linguist things that all come together. So that would be probably one of my my top ones. But there's also another one that I need to look through uh, to remember because... I, it was one where Alex specifically at the end of it said, Casey, that was a really good yarn you just spun. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really, uh, really, really good. And um, and you know what? I just cannot for the life of me remember what it is. But it might have been one of the uh, one of the two we did on what a tr- what is a tree and how do people see trees? It's uh, One is the Italian cypress, which is umwelt. And then another, the one that followed is you can grow your own way, which is uh, about the Southern Catalpa. And it's all about these two ideas um, about how we name trees and what it means to be a tree. And um, those are two that I think are, are really, you know, some of my favorite topics because they're philosophical, but they're also a uh, literal kind of thing. Like what is a tree? How do we see trees? How do trees see themselves? How do trees see the world? That kind of thing. I, part of it for me that's interesting is the story of, of the tree. Like, is there a, a favorite story or tree story that you have that that gets you excited to tell or talk about? Like, for me, just example, like whenever I see Royal Empress Tree in the Philadelphia mm-hmm. area, because it's not obviously not native to there. Um, they used to use the the seed holes for packing and material coming over from China. Philadelphia was a seaport, so it's all mm-hmm. along the seaport because the seed would come over in boxes and it would just get spilled over and germinate. So it's it's all up yeah. and down the Philadelphia seaport. So I kind of love those kind of stories. Um, is there anything that sticks out for either of you like that? You know, I, I will say real quickly, Case, yeah, go, that go, go. when you do 120 episodes in, in two years, <laughs> they all kind of become one. one <laughs> I don't remember what we covered last week. So I'm, I'm having to scroll yeah. back through these and, and, Maybe something will catch my eye. But Casey, yeah. does anything does anything jump out to you? Yeah, there there are two stories that I really enjoy. One is a story about trees and people, which is the nutmeg, um, and that's Maristica fragrance. And the nutmeg is a curious story about how 
that tree has a bunch to do with Manhattan and the colonial wars between England and the Portuguese and the Dutch. And it's just this fascinating story. It's a, it's definitely a tragedy, but it's a it's a curious story about how that tree became such a popular um, popular thing that it caused literal wars between nations. And another tree tree story that's less of a a story that has to do with people is the koa, where it's the it's this tree that's endemic to only uh, Hawaii, but there's another very closely related species that's endemic to another island very far away. So the story is more, is this a native tree and why is it native and how did it get here? And the whole trajectory of kind of looking at where the tree came from and doing kind of a, a bit of a, uh, a sleuthing to figure out like, okay, botanically, why is this tree here and how did it get here? And that is also, I think, some of the, the more fascinating stories about um, looking through the, the, the annals of time and trying to figure out where exactly this tree came from and why and how it ended up right here. Those, I think, are, are some of my favorite kind of ecological stories. I, I, I've started I one. Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, talking about the Meyer lemon. Oh, named okay. For plant explorer Frank Meyer. And sort of the the accidental discovery that it, it, it would cure scurvy. It was it's this <laughs> wild tale, and it's so curious that it just sort of happened. And it's like this huge discovery and saved you know hundreds of thousands of lives. Yeah, um, yeah. I really I, I enjoyed that story. I've I'm at the stage where I've I'm. Naive enough that most of the stories I've heard in my lifetime, I took, you know, for granted that they were correct from the people that told me to them, and I got called out on one. Someone asked me a question. I was like, "Oh, you know, you're, you're right." Like it was, I was told that Dr. Dick Lighty had brought Purple Dome Aster from Korea, it smuggled it over from Korea in a suitcase, and someone's like, "Isn't that like a New York Aster? Why would he smuggle?" You know, a New York Aster from Korea, and I was like, "Oh, good question." I'm like, "Oh no, he found it didn't, on the roadside." I call you out on it. <laughs> I don't know. Someone called me out. <laughs> I on thought it. I did. <laughs> you know, one of, <laughs> one of the ones that I had been. To, I worked at Princeton Nurseries at one point that had a, a ton of uh, patents on trees, and they had introduced Magyar uh, ginkgo and Princeton Century ginkgo, which are both male mm-hmm. uprights. And mm-hmm. I had been told that ginkgo was the only tree to survive the. Hiroshima blast. Uh, And I'm like, is that true though? Like I can't find anything on that to prove or deny that. that. We know that one tree did like there are trees that are ginkgos that did survive, but is that the only species? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Exactly. So I'm, I'm starting to, to doubt all of my, all my knowledge basically. It's like what I was saying earlier where, you know, I would say something, then I'd 30 seconds later be like, is that actually true? Oh, my God, I need, yeah. to, I need to look into that. You know, I learned everything I learned about trees from Casey, so there's a lot of pressure on him <laughs> to bring correct information. If you're yeah, wrong, I you're know. not wrong. Casey's wrong. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can always, can always throw him under the bus. Every single time. <laughs> so with the, the growing focus on native uh, plants, what are your, your thoughts on – native trees versus non-native trees or just ecosystem in general for for those purposes yeah alex do you have an opinion on this well i you know not really i i maybe don't know enough about the specific topic um to have a well-formed opinion i i think 
part of the beauty of modern arboriculture is that, you know, we can have trees growing in Portland that before had only ever grown in a small valley in China, you know. Um, I think that's neat. And I think that's that's that makes me feel there's some like diversity and uh, a little piece of another part of the world out on on the planter strip outside my apartment building. Um, I, I like that aspect. And I like to I like the idea that we're sharing these plants and look how beautiful this plant is. Take it back home with you and plant it. And you can have a little piece of this of this place where you are. Um, that might be romanticizing it. I know there's a million caveats like, well, if it's this and if it's this, it's actually bad for the soil. And if it might do this and then it's invasive and this and that. But I I, I don't focus on any of that because I don't know enough about it. Right. So Casey probably has a, a much more well-formed opinion, um, which I'm, I'm curious to hear. Yeah, well, I, I agree with Alex. I think that that is a spiritual thing that is, you know, you can trace that through plants all over the world for so many years, whether it was necessity or it was something more like this is a spiritual plant that is really important. The Nani is another great example where it's a canoe plant where it's now, you know, considered to be native on a lot of different islands, but it was actually brought there by the people as one of the most important medicinal plants that they had. So, um, the the idea of native i think is is should be paramount that's the first place you should start is there a native option that i can plant that will accomplish the objectives and is good for the place that i am in um for lots of reasons the, the main one being they're probably already really good at living wherever you're going to be planting them they're probably not going to be super invasive so they're not going to cause you a lot of trouble and they're really good for everything else that's living around here. Mostly insects um, and birds are the two things that I really think about. But the on the other side of that, if you're thinking about right tree, right place, sometimes um, a native tree is not the best tree for a given situation. In fact, here in the Pacific Northwest, it's you know we have gigantic trees, so we don't have really the room to plant a Douglas fir, a ponderosa pine, or an Oregon white oak, or whatever tree you have most anywhere that's that's kind of like if i only plant native trees then i'm gonna plant native trees that are not appropriate for a certain spot um also in our native um habitats our trees are doing great in our cities you know in the planter strip that alex just brought up that is not a native habitat that's in the middle of a city the soils are completely different the water regime you name it it's all completely altered so are we actually planting something native to an area in its native habitat? I, I would probably argue not. Interesting. So even a Doug, even the Douglas fir out front in, in, in the courtyard isn't planted natively, you would say? You know, I think you could argue that it's not growing in a native situation. The yeah. climate and the literal spot on earth is native to where this tree's been growing for a long time. I see. But the soils have been completely uh, changed. There's different, uh, it's turf grass. It's growing next to a European species of birch and an uh, Eastern species of dogwood. Maybe you know? we could say it's geographically native. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and geographically, it's doing great. But, you know, in the uh, if there's a power line above it, you don't want to plant a Douglas fir because that's going to shoot up into the power lines. So having something that's exactly that... Exactly what happened out there. Exactly. Yeah. It is, right? Yeah. I mean, we, so, um, we've had this yeah. conversation, too. We, we've talked about street trees, and it's, it's a non-native environment, and trees don't have the opportunity to evolve 
to be able to take that environment. So in mm. talking with – and the numbers have changed, but going back 20 years ago, you'd hear, uh, oh, the average life of a street tree in Chicago is four years. In New York City, yeah. it's six or seven years. In D.C., it's eight years. You know, it's it's – they don't have that great of a chance. So planting something native and hoping it, that it can evolve to fit that non-native environment is not really realistic in a lot of cases. Yeah, exactly. And I would say if you do have a native tree that does grow really well in that spot, you should definitely go for it. But if there is a non-native tree that would do better, is not going to be an invasive tree, then that might be the better option for you. So you're saying if if it's like a dichotomous key, one of my one of my favorite things I've learned about <laughs> yeah. this podcast. And just such a fun thing to say. It feels oh, so yeah. good. Dichotomous key. <laughs> Casey, there's a dichotomous key and you're trying to you're trying to figure out a good tree to plant. Yeah. It should be, is there a native solution? Yeah. And if not, go with this other thing. But first to hit that box that says, is can you plant something that's native? Yeah. I would actually do it kind of like a um almost an opposite dichotomous key where you're looking at the the situation and every time you you have a bunch of you have let's say 400 plants each one of the 400 trees each one of those trees has x amount of characteristics then you would look at your site and you'd say okay what characteristics does this site have and each time you say this is a you know this site is dry then it'll take out all the trees that I are see. wet lovers like guess who exactly it's exactly mm-hmm. like yeah. guess who yeah. and then once <laughs> once your guess who has you know 10 different uh characters sitting there then choose the native characters as a priority over the non-native characters. But if all you have is non-native characters at that point, as long as they're not invasive, which should have been a box you checked off already, right? Mm. Then you should be you should plant that tree because a non-native, non-invasive tree is better than no tree. But a native, non-invasive tree is better than a native, non-native tree. Oh, now we're just getting back to you. <laughs> <laughs> t-shirt, guys. Yeah. yeah, there you go. You know, it's funny for me when I – I used to come to Portland, Oregon like two to three times a year on business at a former yeah. job. And one of the things I loved coming to visit other nurseries were everything felt like the color seemed brighter. Everything seemed more lush because of the climate and like because of the heat we have in the summer. There'd be like a tighter internodal spacing on evergreens instead of this lush growth that we'd see like the uh, golden um, dwarf hinokis would just be so much brighter than what you would see here. And it's just – it always – like even though they weren't native, you you would just go and be like, wow. (laughs) Like look at all this. This is amazing. And I kind of miss that. And even though it's not native, I still have that appreciation for it, especially in that part of the country, seeing those colors and that kind of lushness just – like I would never say, ah, just get rid of all those. They're not native. Right. Right. I mean, like that that brings up, you know, if if a non-native plant is planted here and it does really well, what is the difference between that and a native plant? I, I, I guess, guess food web, yeah. food web, in, insect interaction. You know, if something isn't mm. does isn't using it as a larval host. Mm-hmm. Uh, like milkweed, really, it's the only thing that monarchs can use as a larval host. So even though if you don't have milkweed, they'll be able to feed, but they won't be able to their, – their offspring won't be able to survive. So you're providing that food web if it can be native, and a non-native, maybe those insects haven't evolved with um, that plant. Like in Hawaii, part of the problem with not having – you know, being outnumbered more invasives than natives, the, the birds can't eat a lot of the seeds because their beaks hadn't evolved with the size 
of the seed. A lot of the non-native seeds were too big for the birds to actually pick up. So it's that kind of thing, but you just get less diverse. And maybe instead of 200 different birds, you have 50 different birds. Uh, Maybe instead of this many insects, you have this many. But, you know, we always kind of look at – and Benjamin Vogt, you know, when he said it, you know, if if you're putting a plant in and it doesn't at least provide to the food web, then hopefully you you should try to – steer something that can offer to that food web and ecosystem his, and his full i think his yes. full quote was if uh if you're planting a pollinator garden and doesn't have anything for like the larval stages so your caterpillars and that kind of stuff is it really a pollinator garden yeah. because it's not supporting everything it's one thing to have pretty flowers that pollinators can forage on but if you don't have the whole the whole food web then uh then is it really helping um and that's really the crux of of dr doug Talmy's whole argument about he talks about white oaks, at least on the east uh, east coast, and um, how they support like four or five hundred different types of uh, species of Lepidoptera, so your butterflies and moths, primarily on the larval stage that eat them, and then but that supports so many different birds that feed them to their their young um, when they're yeah. when they're in a nest, and that's why those the native species can be that's another value in addition to uh, the appearance. Um, that native plants tend to bring, but then there's some native plants that really don't have, have a, whole a, lot a handful of of those mm. unique interactions that we know of at least. Yeah, so, yeah. Or maybe the the unique interactions that they had no longer exist. You know, we know that there's specialist bees for just willow. So if willows disappeared, those specialist bees would disappear. Yeah. So, um, in the same respect, we 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 have this argument all the time, and we, we're oh, yeah. in the native plant yeah. business, and it's just like. You know, it'd, it'd be great if someone had all natives in their their property, but I'd be happy if everyone had three. I think it would provide a much better service than you know just a handful mm-hmm. of people here and there. If everyone just incorporated some natives, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I, I think that's the real idea. Is I, I don't think it needs to be a dichotomy. It doesn't need to be all or nothing. You know, I think having a good mix is really what makes it effective because that way you can get. A little bit of everything. You can have that that cultural move from A to B. You can have that really special, beautiful plant that only grows over there. But you can also have all the really great natives that do all the work as well that that are best for your area. So that way, I mean, that just to me makes a really well-rounded garden and a well-rounded space of any sort where you have um, all the different things are in balance in that regard. And so, yeah, I think that that's, um, that's a big trouble with a lot of things in the United States as a culture. It has to be 100% one way or hundred percent another. You mm-hmm. can't just kind of go, Hey, yeah, whatever. That's cool. Have as many as you want, but you know, maybe not zero, maybe not a hundred, whatever, whatever's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think John McGee from the native plant podcast, one of the things that he said to us that kind of always stuck with me was you still have to enjoy it at the, at the end of it, you're part of the ecosystem. You're, you're part of nature. You have to enjoy it as well. So if you're not enjoying it, what are you doing it for? And I always kind of think of my wife is from Poland and what she values for being what she considers being part of native or nature is completely different. And we have some invasives in our property that I kind of talked her out of. Like I was like, oh, this isn't bad. But there's things that I wouldn't have planted that are very meaningful to her from her childhood and her connection. And that's important. You can't tell someone they're wrong for that connection. You can't. You you just can't. You may want to, but you you (laughs) – you, you can maybe say, oh, well, that's a bad choice, but I'm, we're making it for this very particular yeah. reason. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which we do. Fran, I yeah. know you have a, a particularly burning question that you want to ask of our guests here. And it I, kind of really spurred you you reaching out to oh, them. 
Yeah. Um, I- <laughs> <laughs> and being that they're from the Pacific Northwest, I think it is fitting that you it, do ask them this. This is a little rant for me, like <laughs> off the podcast. Is just considering that we're classified as a nature podcast and six of the top ten podcasts in nature are Bigfoot-based Mm. <laughs> I was just like, is that really nature? If you can't prove that it's real, is uh, it really nature? Like, is that myth? Uh, yeah, okay, very good. Wow, <laughs> it should be like mythology or, or something. Like, it's, so you can talk to him. <laughs> but it just amazes me the amount of pod or Bigfoot podcasts and the popularity of them as well. That I guess it's hard to deny that that how many people are enjoying that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like the new true crime. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And that's I, you know, I was originally I was like Can, we should we should talk we're doing something similar and it's just it kills me when I look and just see Bigfoot 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 Bigfoot. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't know and I'm like, "Oh, maybe they're Bigfoot fans. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it." Ah, how Alex and I feel about Bigfoot. How yeah. interesting. Um Alex, what do you, what do you think? You know, this 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 crazy world of ours is full of surprises. I wouldn't. I I would. Sure. Why not? You're open to it. <laughs> I'm not like a Bigfoot truther or anything. <laughs> but I, if if we discovered proof, I I wouldn't immediately think it was was fake. But I don't know. Probably not. I I feel like we would have we would have run into him by by now with somebody with like a video camera. You know. Yeah, you. I I think that's probably accurate. Although I do love the idea that that mystery is still out there. Like I really want Bigfoot to exist because that sounds like such a such a curious story. You know, like yeah. oh, it was there the whole time. <laughs> I think that's so that's so good. Although we did have a, a podcast where we covered um, where someone asked that question to us. And so we responded um, with where we think Bigfoot would live. And I say we, but um, I think, Alex, you're like, eh, maybe somewhere around here. And I think I talked for like 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be in the Southern Appalachians in the United States. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I also really like the um, the sort of regional uh, Bigfoot stuff, like Swamp Ape. You guys know Swamp Ape? Yeah. I, I think Swamp Ape's really cool because he likes he stinks. You know, like <laughs> you're out in the swamp, you smell you smell something. It's like oh, it's the Swamp Ape. But all all Sasquatch has is like growling noises <laughs> yeah, to, to alert you. I guess yeah. I, I'm gonna make the two of you a poster. It made me think of I don't know if, if either of you have ever watched the X Files, but I think of Fox Mulder's I Want to Believe poster with the UFO. It should be I Want to Believe with Bigfoot in the background. Yes. <laughs> I can I can Photoshop that together for for, <laughs> for the sake of time. I feel like I, I only asked half the questions that I wanted to ask. But for the sake of time, I, I, I'm just looking at it. We should probably ask our, our last question, which is always the same question. And it's a simple question, but always a very difficult one to answer. And that is what is your favorite native plant? Hmm. Oh man, oh that's just such a tough one. I'm I'm gonna have to choose a tree though. Me too. Okay. Just just because we're a little biased. Yeah, we're just a little. <laughs> and how many um, cones would you give your favorite tree? That's oh, how many wow. golden cones. That, that right. is definitely. now this is feeling good. Now now I'm in familiar territory. You've, right. you've figured out the, you've cracked the code on how to look <laughs> <it> to us. <laughs> um. So I will say. Well, before I before I give my my answer, Casey. Yeah. 
I do want to say, I meant, I think I said swamp ape. I meant skunk ape. Skunk, skunk ape. Apes. Okay. Nobody at me. Um, <laughs> so I, I got to go with Douglas fir. I don't know. It's such a boring answer, but I really, really like Douglas fir. I, I think, you know, what I look for in a tree is usually a conifer. And what I look for in a conifer is like a curious or interesting cone. And Douglas fir has one of the most curious or interesting cones that I know of. Yeah. Um, like along with Coulter pine or sugar pine. Um, but Douglas fir cones are just so unique and beautiful. Um, I, I think I got to go Douglas fir and they're Pacific Northwest classic. They really are. Yeah. Right. I would now want to yes. see that was the one that had the, the, the dwarf or, or somewhat dwarf in New Mexico. Is that? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole dwarf forest of like 800 year old Douglas firs in this weird, um, like, volcanic area in new mexico mm, that i want yeah. to see now it sounds amazing yeah i i need to go down and see that i think i would have to stick with the white bark pine i i think white bark pine are one of the more interesting trees you can only see them if you go up to the highest elevation or if you go out to also very high but not the highest elevation in eastern northeastern oregon in a an area called the Wallala mountains they have um they they grow in these weird they're they're not your normal conifers where they have this nice single stem that's growing up and these you know they're big huge trees they're multi stem they're really old trees they have one of my favorite cones which is this like it looks like a a turtle shell kind of tank little cone and they grow at the highest elevations and they are battered just battered by storms and weather ice wind you name it so they get these amazing forms and because they live for so long they get these amazing forms with these really crazy bits of uh of segmented growth where they just have this one strip of bark that is connected to this one root connected to this one branch and i think that their their just means of growing and their aesthetics are just amazing and i love a tree that you have to go find um although you can't see douglas for everywhere and i do have such a heart for all of our very easily found conifers the ones that don't come to you i find i find a, a bit of respect for them i'm like okay all right mm-hmm. I, gotta, I gotta go find at the top of this mountain this tree it's not going to be that simple if if you haven't listened to it uh, speaking of another podcast that we love, Headwater Season 2 was all about the white bark pine. We had Perry Sassnett yeah. on from Glacier uh, National Park. We actually about had, had Perry on as well. Oh, yeah, we awesome. Did a, a whole series that ended with that. Yeah. Episode, yeah. Uh, that, I, I saw that on your podcast. <laughs> that was truly fascinating. I'm like, how do, I, how do I work that into a business trip? Like, don't we have to go out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? Just, uh, just go out there and see if you can find a, a native plant. And then if you don't find any native plants, be like, ah, well, <laughs> I love mental health getaway. That's what. Yeah, you yeah. Oh, yeah. We All have right. a whole list of places we're supposed to go that somehow we get the right off as a business trip, but. We're working uh, on it. Yeah, we, yeah, we oh, were yeah. working on it. What's the foraging <laughs> summit? Where's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a, a foraging summit in, it's like the Midwest foraging something or other in, um, yeah, you got to go. And, Wisconsin. Uh, in it's Wisconsin. in Wisconsin. Like, in, and you got to camp for like four or five days. And our white uh, whale is out there. That's sounds like uh, a dream. We're, we're gonna just Nicole. show up with a whole bunch of podcast record gear it. and <laughs> record in a tent. So. Alex, yeah, Casey do you- and I are currently uh, working on getting ourselves to um, the spa to have massages. Yes, that's that's our <laughs> next on the one. <laughs> 
Alex, do you have a least favorite band? Is there a band that oh my drives you crazy? I'm looking for um, someone to share in my hatred of Panic at the Disco. I grew up in the heat of uh, the the emo and pop punk movement in 2005, yeah. 6, 7. Okay. Um, Panic, I liked a couple of their songs, but they were too dramatic and theatrical for my liking. And they really took, you know, that that pop punk thing of the song title is like a sentence. Yes. Yes. They really leaned heavily into that. It (laughs) drove me fucking crazy. Along with Fallout Boy. I I, I felt the same way about Fallout Boy. But right now, the the band that makes my skin crawl the most is Imagine Dragons. Ooh. Um, which I think is like the new, they're like the new uh, creed or something in terms of people's <laughs> hatred for them. Oh my God. They no. just, they just, I look, I just hear their music and I look at them doing their thing and it's, it's just makes me feel uncomfortable and bad. I feel that way about Mumford and Sons. Like I, there's, yeah, I I'm, just showed you that. I, you Sons did, but I, video. I, didn't I know was that. being polite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the video. No, but you know, I like some of Imagine Dragons things. I've seen them in concert a few times, but if I have to hear Thunder one more time, just one more. There's yeah, certain songs that just kill me. Now, speaking of that emo phase and theatrics, what were your thoughts on My Chemical Romance? Um, I liked them a little more. Okay. I I, uh, I liked that one album with like Dead on it. Um, oh, uh, the Black Parade. The Parade. Black yeah. Parade, yeah. Um, I, I liked that record. It was, it was, it was cool, but they were never... I was a very, um, oh, how do I say this? I was very, a very protected teen. I, I, I didn't drink or smoke or, you know, uh, I was, my, I was raised in a Christian household and I was a very, uh, uh, I was, I was very tender and though the emo side of that whole, of that whole thing made me a little nervous. I was like, Ooh, they're they're They have black makeup on. That's so, <laughs> <laughs> So, so the flip side, Casey would have been the crazy one. So, what were the crazy stories of myth uh, or legend? That- well, there was the cheddar cheese thing. Oh yeah, that's Casey right. ate a whole block of cheddar cheese <laughs> on the way to the beach. Um, <laughs> it was it was usually things like, uh, I I think like tales from everybody hanging out and Casey did something bizarre or like very bold. I can't remember any uh, specific examples. Yeah, no, neither can I. But it always came back to, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this? He sounds wild. Yeah, I think especially uh, when we went to college, then it became even more because a lot of our friends, um, Alex went to the Oregon State University. I went to the U of O, the, U, the university just, you know, 40 miles away. Mm-hmm. But the, the two rivals, um, at least at the beginning, and we... So most of our friends also went to U of O. So there was this, uh, Alex would probably hear a lot of the crazy first in college stories about yeah. me. And I was just a wild, <laughs> wild young man. So I ride my bike everywhere and just go just do the silliest thing, singing karaoke, you name it. I just would go full, full bore. Looking back, I probably should put the brakes on. I probably was a quite annoying child or not child, but early adult college kid. So, oh, yeah. I, well, I will say, Casey, one of my earliest memories with you is when we lived together at at Oregon State University. And you were super big into cycling at the time. Yes. yes. I should say that just fixy, fixed gear bikes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Casey 
took some chances. I'll, I should say <laughs> like things, things that like you, you bombed Lombard street in San Francisco. Oh yeah, that's right. While, while breaking. So he just like skidded down <laughs> one of the most dangerously steep streets in the world. Yeah. I didn't have any brakes on my, on my fixed gear bike. And then he wanted, so- he wanted to show me the fixed gear bike and I didn't know what that meant. So we were riding around the quad at Oregon State University. And then he was like, let's go over here. And we started going down a hill. And I was like, oh, I need to brake. And I looked down and I realized there were no brakes. And I yelled at Casey, what do I do? And he's like, just keep going. Just keep going. And I was not wearing a helmet. It was terrifying. And I'm still, I'm obviously I'm getting riled up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the I have brakes on that exact same bike now. And I rode it here this morning. Yeah. That's the, an old time. The, the two of you will have to come visit. You'll have to meet Tom's brother Steve. I think yeah. you'll get along famously with. That sounds. He good. also, yeah, yeah he, he was. He also had uh, a lot of wild stories, like he or legend stories, where um, he never got kicked off his senior trip, but he did catch an alligator, and that was like <laughs> I heard about it back in New <laughs> Jersey. Um, that my brother caught an alligator before he told oh my me. God. Yeah, he just it was a little baby one, but it was he did catch it out of a retention <laughs> pond. So yeah. yeah, that's that's major Casey Clapp energy yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think we would get along. It sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Like he's he's flipped golf carts. He'll be in in the office someday and just put a pull a snake out of his pocket. I'll be like, oh look, I have the snake. Wow. <laughs> well, where do you keep snakes otherwise? You know, it's a good, <laughs> it's good oh, snake storage. I, another real quick, real quick. Uh, we we all went camping one time, and I this was early on when I knew Casey. But I, I went to go relieve myself in the woods. And when I came back, I was like, I was, I was kind of looking around. I was like, where's Casey? And our friend uh, Alex pointed up and Casey was about 25 feet up in a tree for no reason. I think other than <laughs> to just climb a tree. I had been gone for maybe a minute and <laughs> just scaled this huge tree. A little, little wild child. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, without a harness, what's the highest you've climbed in a tree? Oh, without a harness, probably that, probably about 25 feet. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I try not to go much higher. In fact, I probably got without a harness up about that height uh, this last summer trying to collect some cones off of a silver fir um, near Mount St. Helens. Oh, wow. Uh, but I have lost that spirit. I don't, uh, my risk tolerance is is reduced, so I have no interest <laughs> in falling out of a tree anymore. So I, I usually now have either a harness on um, with a, a lanyard that I'm trying to climb up kind of one by one or uh, a rope that goes all the way up the tree. Because mm-hmm. now I think it's more that it's not that I I don't trust myself. It's more that I am kind of thinking like, you know, I don't want to have to be on it 100% of the time. I want to know if I, if I just decide, oh, I'm going to do this real fast and make up one mistake that it's going to be okay. I don't think your brother's has subsided. What river did he just try to swim across? Uh, the Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. The Ohio River. <laughs> he wow. made it. He made it halfway. He, right? Yeah, he made it halfway and said and saw there was like a barge coming and didn't think he could make it in front of the barge, so he turned around and came back. Geez, yeah. well, hey, if you make it halfway, that means you can make it the full way because yeah. no matter what, oh, yeah. you have to go the full yeah. distance. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he was thinking though. If he got to the other side, how he, he was, was getting he back. said he was going to run over the bridge. We were right next to the bridge. <laughs> oh, okay. He, and yeah, he just he wanted to swim. So yeah. there you go. Come on out. It will be a good time. <laughs> All right. yeah, we'll give you a call. 
Um, so we always end with final thoughts, and this is where we kind of hand the floor over to you, and you can use the time however you'd like. If you want to summarize, if you want to promote something, uh, however you want to use it, it's all yours, and I'll let you – whoever wants to start can start. Wow. I have analysis paralysis. <laughs> well, uh, we, we have a, we are Casey and Alex. We have a podcast called completely arbitrary. That's spelled A R B O R T R A R Y. And every, each week we talk about a species of tree and then some story relating to it. And our whole thing is that trees are related to everything. So we have a whole host of topics. We cover history, food, culture, religion, society, civilization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, forever. And uh, we've got a nice little back catalog, about 120 episodes. So you can find that show anywhere that you would listen to podcasts, including our website, arbitrarypod.com. And uh, I recommend just searching for arbitrary and then typing in the name of a tree that you have fondness for. And we, we, we probably have an episode about it. And that's right. that would be a, probably a good place to start for you. And um, what else, Case? Uh, well, honestly, that's about it. You know, uh, follow us, follow Alex. He's a musician, so he's out there putting out music on Spotify all over the place, playing local shows if you're in the Portland area or anywhere on the West Coast, hopefully in the next year or so. And then um, me, myself, I just kind of am out there on the Internet, so you can follow me on Instagram if you choose. I'm I'm at clap for trees with two Ps and the number four. And then um, other than that, look out for a couple of things that we'll be putting out here in the future. Alex and I consistently put out you know, new merch about whatever it is we're talking about. Maybe it's uh, for the podcast. Um, and we also have a lot of little side projects that we're doing. So just follow along, uh, either listening to the show or um, either one of us or the podcast on Instagram and, you know, just join the conversation. I will put all the links in the show notes. I actually follow both of you on Instagram and it, it's fabulous content. Uh, can you mention your Patreon also? Oh, yeah, sure. We have a, a Patreon, which is a, a subscription-based way to support your favorite artists and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, Patreon.com slash ArbitraryPod. Uh, we are sort of flagship tier on there is the Cone of the Month Club. Um, we hire a independent artist every month to uh, illustrate a different species of cone, conifer cone. And then we get stickers printed of them uh, locally here in Portland and we ship them all over the world. So no matter where you live, you can get a monthly cone sticker from us and start your own uh, completely arbitrary cone collection. And we include a little uh, info card that has, you know, the name of the species and some fun facts about that, about that cone and a link to the artists. So you can follow along with their stuff. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite things we do. And uh, it's the, it's for, for our money, it's the best way to support, support what we're doing if you're interested in that yeah we just did um a bumper sticker sized sugar cone which is one of my favorites it's it's fantastic it's a pencil drawing so it's extremely accurate it's really beautiful and we just did the engelman spruce and then uh, i'm not sure what we have coming up alex yeah this month is the ponderosa, ponderosa pine, pine that's um, right. painted by a friend of the pod colette and it's watercolor it's actually oh. an oil painting, it's basically. an oil oh my god yeah but it's the colors are of that such that oh. it looks kind of like watercolor and it's my, i think maybe my favorite one we've we've ever done and yeah. it's gorgeous very cool and you do extra content as well correct like yeah special special shows that's only for pa patreon yeah we put out two bonus episodes a month and we like to say if the if the mainline show is about trees and other related topics the bonus episodes are about other related topics and trees very so cool. they can 
It could be almost about anything. Yeah, we also do two live streams a month. One is with Alex and I talking about something interesting um, or getting the uh, patrons involved in something in the show. For instance, last night they helped us choose um, a, fo- a few trees for an upcoming segment that we're going to be doing, pitting some flowering trees against other flowering trees to see which one will win the Ooh. buttercup. Ooh, I and, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alex came up with that because he's the brilliant one here. All with a heavy Pokemon theme. Yeah. That's, I, I think was probably not mentioning out of embarrassment. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, we'll ha- we have a listener for you. We'll make sure he, he tunes in for that. Right. And I just want to – Douglas Fir on the – the second take of it, you did give it 10 golden cones, Alex? I think so. I know you can't change your vote, but I, in the second one, it was 10, correct? I, I believe so, yes. A perfect sco- a perfect cone score. Yeah, I don't know it's if non-canon. I did. Yeah. And I, would, I think the, uh, um, we were supposed to give our cone score for our favorite yeah. tree, and I didn't. Uh, for the our favorite native tree. And oh, right. we did that tree, and I think I gave it somewhere in the nines. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go again. Nine point five for my favorite native tree. Very nice, very nice, awesome. I appreciate it. Tom. You want to go next? Final thought? Yeah, I I was just gonna say that uh, if you aren't listening to these guys already, definitely check them out. If you appreciate our podcast, um, even though it's not all about native plants, you appreciate their uh, their light and jovial. Uh, approach to things and uh, that they don't take themselves too seriously the same way Fran and I don't. So, <laughs> so. I agree. If, if you're not listening, give it a listen. I appreciate just the knowledge base, the entertainment value. Uh, you, you can't help but to not smile listening to it and come away learning something every episode, which is important. And I appreciate just getting to talk shop. We don't mm-hmm. get to do it too often, and it was nice to to, to get to meet you somewhat in person. Uh, over Zoom and and get to have this conversation, which I really appreciate. So every now and then, that's the perk of having this podcast is we get to talk to people that we want to talk to. Definitely. So. Definitely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to Casey Clapp and Alex Croson of Completely Arbitrary. For more information, you can visit their website, which is just arbitrarypod.com. Uh, their Instagram is also arbitrarypod. Do you have anything social-wise that isn't arbitrarypod? Well, their personal uh, Instagram. And then you have yeah, your personal stuff, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which those will be yeah. in uh, be in the show notes. Okay. Um, so thank yeah, you, for everyone, for uh... no one no one put that uh, that that title. So we got it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening. To Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pines Nursery. Uh, as always, we're giving a big thank you to the egocentric plastic men for contributing our theme music. Uh, make sure you stream or buy their music wherever you consume your music. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore healthy planet also uh youtube at pinelands nursery don't forget about our question and comment line you can call us at 215-346-6189 i will repeat that 215-346-6189 you can ask a question or leave a comment we'll do our best to play it on a future episode of the buzz and let's not forget the native plants healthy planet facebook group we've had a few hundred new members just over the last couple weeks so uh i appreciate all the new members and and how how well everyone has done greeting them all right, so you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com. Uh, there's a link at the top that will take you to our Teespring store, and then from there, um, we don't take any of the profits. All the profits, basically, we, we pull up into a lump sum, and then we, when we reach a, an undetermined threshold, we say, hey, such and such organization, you're doing good work with Native Plants. Why don't you have this? So it's our way of, uh, of giving back a little bit. Um, and then you guys get to wear cool shirts too. So uh, you can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really ever consume your podcast. When you're there, do us a favor 
and uh, leave a five-star review. Definitely subscribe if you haven't already. And if you do a little write-up in your review, I'll give you a shout-out on our Buzz episodes. So there's a little extra incentive <laughs> to, to writing us a nice note. And it makes us feel good. Yes. So just don't write a five-star review that basically just criticizes the whole podcast like Fran <laughs> talked about before. So with that, you know, thank honestly, you. For- did you. Don't you think you could just take the five-star review and, and the criticism? Or not? Don't You can just be like, oh, I, I wish they didn't write that, but let's just keep the five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. Alex and Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, Coming up next week, we have a Buzz episode, so make sure you tune in. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.